Long History, Henry Hudson, Top 10 Events. Hello everyone and welcome to another of our Top 10 Events episodes. If you're a long-time listener to Long History, you'll already know that after we've done a long document, we like to have a pause, and then we revisit that document with two more episodes. One giving a Top 10 Events, and then another giving the Top 10 Surprises in that document. And we kind of hope that these two episodes serve as something as an introduction to the rest of the document, which I know with 30 episodes, or 25 in this case, can be very long. So this can serve as a starting point for the whole 25 episodes if you want to go back and listen to them. Or these episodes can just serve as an introduction, and if there's one part that particularly interests you, you can go back and listen to the full context in that episode. And before we start, I just wanted to add that there's lots of these Top 10 Events documents now, involving some of the most historic documents ever written, certainly about the Age of Exploration. Some of the most famous ones are Magellan's Voyage Around the World, Francis Drake's Voyage Around the World, and we've also got Top 10 Events summarising some of the early exploration of the United States area. So there's lots to explore there, but in the meantime, let's get on with this episode, which is about Henry Hudson's four journeys. And we'll look at all those four journeys together in this episode. So here we go with Henry Hudson, Top 10 Events. Now anyone who's listened to the four accounts of these journeys will know that actually not much happens in the first two journeys. So when we talk about the Top 10 Events, there's not much to say in the first journey, for example when basically Henry Hudson and his crew, they head north, they get cold, they decide to turn back and they come back. There are a couple of details that might be considered noteworthy. For example, in episode one, the following happens. And considering we found land contrary to that which our cards made mention of, we accounted our labour so much the more worth. And, for aught that we could see, it is like to be a good land and worth the seeing. Now, Henry Hudson's first voyage was kind of straight heading north, hoping to find a route to the east via the North Pole. I guess his assumption was that there'd be no ice there and that he could sail straight on to the east. And the useful thing he finds in episode one is contradictions to the cards he calls them, which means the maps that he has. So he has added to knowledge in a sense. He's describing Greenland here, I think, and he seems to think the land is worth exploring further. But as I say, we're kind of clutching at straws here because not much happens in this first journey. And the only other thing that we can say is that it's very cold. I noted at the time that episode two was possibly the coldest episode I've ever recorded of Long History. And the document says the following. We gave thanks to God who marvellously preserved us from so many dangers among so huge a quantity of ice and fog. And basically, this whole journey is about ice and fog. So we're saying that the first event is the first journey. Not much actually happens, but he does disprove the possibility that he could get to the Far East via the North Pole, which is not nothing. And the quotations there took place in episode one and episode two. The second journey is slightly more interesting. It's still full of lots of cold and ice, but Henry Hudson and his men see lots more animals, particularly uh, walruses. And I guess where he went interested me, because it's a part of the world I know nothing about. And here is a quotation from episode 7, where he kind of reaches the limits of this journey. And this is the specific moment when Henry Hudson sort of notes, decides that there's no point going any further. That he's discovered, the only discovery he's made here is that there's no route to the Far East, which is always his aim here. Here's the quotation. It is no marvel that there is so much ice in the sea toward the Pole, so many sounds and rivers, being in the lands of Nova Zembla and Newland to engender it. 
besides the coast of Petora, Russia and Groenland with Lapia, as by proofs I find by my travel in these parts. By means of which eyes I suppose there will be no navigable passage this way. Here he mentions a number of places he's visited, but the place where he visits here is called Novaya Zemblia, I think on today's maps, but Henry Hudson calls it Nova Zembla here. But that's the second journey, another cold journey, this time around the Norwegian coast and up as far as the Russian island of Novaya Zemlya, but then he's forced to turn back once again. And that particular quotation took place in episode 7. And it's from here that events begin to ramp up and start getting interesting. I think um, before this point you have to have a certain type of mindset to be able to listen to all these episodes. I do find them interesting in the sense of they help me to get to sleep sometimes or when I just need something in the background. It's nice to listen to these travel logs I suppose but nothing actually happens in the early episodes. And it's not until episode 9 I've got here and this is the third journey and we have a quotation here. On Saturday the 5 and 20th of March 1609 after the old account we set sail from Amsterdam, and by the 7th and 20th day, we were down at Tegel. So that's the beginning of the third journey. And we see that at the beginning, he, started, he tried to go around um, the north of Norway again and over to Nova Zemblia again. And once again, they turned back. And having made this same journey again with no success, at some point, they decide to change their plans and head towards the North American continent. And that decision isn't explicitly mentioned in the document, but the first mention that they've changed their plans, as far as I could gather anyway, is this comment here. We continued on our course southwest and by west. That takes place on June the 1st, 1609. And I'm reading between the lines there because this is the first indication that they're not just heading southwest, which was the route they were taking before, a route that I believe took them to the Faroe Islands, which are between Greenland and um, United Kingdom. But in that quotation, it's the first mention of West. So by this point, he seems to have decided to head West towards the North American continent. But that's the third event, and it takes place in episode 9 of this series. And I instinctively felt that the next event here would be the first sighting of the North American coastline by Henry Hudson and his men. But that's actually quite difficult to uh, find out because he seems to reach a lot of shoals, he seems to be near the coastline, but it doesn't actually mention that he sees the coastline until this point, as far as I can see anyway. And we're in ele episode 11 here, and it's the 30th of July 1609. At six of the clock, we had sight of the land and saw two sails on head of us. The land by the water's side is low land and white sandy banks rising, full of little hills. So there's not much drama there and it's actually quite ambiguous. He might have seen land a little bit earlier. It was hard to interpret some of the words he was saying. But at least in my estimation, that's the first sighting of land by Henry Hudson and his men. And for the fifth main event, I tried to pin down when the first meeting was between Henry Hudson and the locals. And that seemed to take place about five days later on August the 4th, 1609 which is also episode 12, which we call the Sweet Land of Massachusetts, so I assume it's in the Massachusetts area. And here's the quotation. We stood to the northwest two watches, and one south, in for the land, and came to an anchor at the northern end of the headland, and heard the voice of men call. Then we sent our boat on shore, thinking there had been some Christians left on the land. But we found them to be savages, which seemed very glad of our coming. So we brought one on board with us and gave him meat 
and he did eat and drink with us. Our master gave him three or four glass buttons and sent him on land with our shallop again. So Henry Hudson seemed to think that this first meeting with the savages, as he calls them, goes well. They ate together and he gave them some presents, which are quite typical behaviours of the day for Europeans when they first meet these people. And it's rather an uneventful first meeting, shall we say, and we're on the fifth event now of Henry Hudson's journeys, but anyone who's listened to the full series knows that events just ramp up from here, reaching quite a dramatic ending. So we've had the first sighting of the North American continent, and we've had the first meeting with some local people, and it was quite difficult to come up with another big event from this third journey. And Henry Hudson sails down the coast of North America, going quite far south towards South Carolina. But but perhaps in terms of events, the biggest event that happens next is when Henry Hudson does one of the things he's most famous for, which is heading up the Hudson River. And here he met a lot more of the local people. For example, we've got this in episode 15. The people of the country came flocking aboard and brought us grapes and pompions, which we bought for trifles. And many brought us beaver skins and otter skins, which we bought for beads, knives and hatchets. So we rode there all night. So I might have this detail wrong, but I think this was the very highest point in the Hudson River that Hudson and his men reached. So again, considering there's such kind of historic events, it's disappointing that there isn't more description of the lands. And there doesn't even particularly seem to be anything dramatic happening here. Although there are some conflicts between the locals and Henry Hudson's men, it's certainly an ambivalent relationship, it isn't all happiness on both sides. But overall this journey up and down the Hudson River is perhaps the biggest event here, along with actually the naming of Manhattan of course. We cover that in episode 16 with the following quote. It is on that side of the river that is called Manahatta. There we saw no people to trouble, but had much wind and rain. So that's the sixth event, going up and down the Hudson River, reaching the top of the Hudson in episode 15, and then heading back down and and giving the first mention of this name, Manahatta, in episode 16. So we're on to the fourth journey now, and this is the one where they try to find a route to the Far East via the Northwest. So they head up past Greenland once again, and try and head around the north of Canada, but of course in the process they find Hudson Bay, And, well, we'll discuss the fate of what happens a bit later. In the meantime, we've got Event 7 here, which happened to the north of Quebec, and I've called this the Should We Go Back meeting. Now, this is where we begin to see that the devil is in the detail of these documents. As we've stated, not much seems to happen, but actually not much seems to happen here, but actually a lot happens, as we'll see in this quote. This fourth journey began on the 17th of April 1610, and this quotation happens about two months later at the end of June. And this is about Henry Hudson. Therefore, he brought forth his card and showed all the company that he was entered above an hundred leagues further than ever any English was and left it to their choice whether they would proceed any further, yea or nay. Whereupon some were of one mind and some of another, some wishing themselves at home and some not caring where, so they were out of the ice. But there were some who then spake words, which were remembered a great while after. So it's interesting that the first time I read that, I didn't really pay much attention to it. But it's that final phrase, which were remembered a great while after, which particularly stands out looking back and knowing what happens. Because we can see here that this is basically Henry Hudson giving his men a choice. Do you want to go back or do you want to carry on? 
and it's okay being democratic in these situations. But you have to bear in mind that once people have voiced their disagreement, they can't take that back. And that's where tensions can rise further down the line. And that's what happened here, it seems. But that's the seventh event. Like I say, it could almost pass by unnoticed. But this is the first time that disagreement is explicitly mentioned in the document. And that took place in episode 18. And only two episodes later, they've made it into the Hudson Bay and are already stuck. And the terrible time they have that winter is described here. To speak of all our troubles in this time of winter, which was so cold as it lamed the most of our company, and myself do yet feel it, would be too tedious. And a little later we hear about the tensions that have risen. And this is where the text really takes a turn, and some of the men that appear here begin to take on personalities. The next day, after the master and the carpenter fell out, the carpenter took his piece and Henry Green with him, for it was an order that none should go out alone, but one with a piece and another with a pike. This did move the master so much the more against Henry Green that Robert Billet, his mate, must have the gown and had it delivered unto him, which, when Henry Green saw, he challenged the master's promise. But the master did so rail on Green, with so many words of disgrace, telling him that all his friends would not trust him with twenty shillings, and therefore why should he? So this is just an example of the disagreement that took place. It seemed very petty. One man died, and his cloak was promised to this Henry Green. But then Henry Green falls out with Henry Hudson. Henry Hudson then gives this cloak to another man. This causes great offence, which then causes Henry Hudson to say that, well, his friends would not trust him with 20 shillings and therefore why should he? So here we see that things are getting rather poisonous in this frozen place. And really when you're trapped together on a ship for weeks, months on end, you can understand why. And all that took place in episode 20. And now we're on to episode 22 and event number 9. And it's the inevitable event really. It might come as a surprise if you haven't listened to any of Henry Hudson's story yet. But this is the point where the mutiny takes place. I'll give the quotation here. Now were all the poor men in the shallop, whose names are as followeth. Henry Hudson, John Hudson, Arnold Ludlow, Sidrach Fainer, Philip Staff, Thomas Woodhouse or Whithouse, Adam Moore, Henry King, Michael Bute. The carpenter got them a piece and powder and shot and some pikes, an iron pot, with some meal and other things. They stood out of the ice, the shallop being fast to the stern of the ship, and so, when they were nigh out, for I cannot say they were clean out, they cut her head fast from the stern of our ship. Then, out with their topsails, and towards the east they stood, in a clear sea. So in this shallop are the people who have been thrown off the ship, and the shallop is set adrift, and Henry Hudson and these men are never seen again. Now we've seen that there's been a lot of disagreement, but the reason for this mutiny ultimately is given that they need to get rid of these men who were sick, and Henry Hudson who led them so badly, in order to have supplies to be able to get back to England. And I mean, as reasons go, it's pretty poor, shall we say. So it's a particularly sorry event. And that is the final time we hear from Henry Hudson in this account. And that took place in episode 22. Now you might think that would be the end of the document being the end of Henry Hudson. But in fact this document about the fourth journey is written by a man called Abercook Pritchett. 
and he survived along with the mutineers and made it back to England. But the more this story goes on, the more it seems to be rather convenient, shall we say, and the more some cracks seem to appear. And this is summarised in the final, well there's two events here actually, and they involve the deaths of two of the remaining men on the boat, Henry Green and Robert Dewart. And these men both had a significant part in the mutiny, and this for example is the fate of Henry Green, this takes place on an island to the north of Quebec. The savages betook them to their bows and arrows, which they sent amongst us, wherewith Henry Green was slain outright, and Michael Purse received many wounds, and so did the rest. So there's an unfortunate meeting with local people here, and this Henry Green dies in the event, and Henry Green was one of the main organisers of the mutiny. So this could be true, or it might not be true, but one of the things that's convenient here for the writer Abacook Pritchett is that neither Henry Green nor Henry Hudson are around to tell the tale either way, so people just have to believe what Abacook Pritchett says. And that's compounded with the next death, also from episode 24, and this takes place as they sail back between Canada and England. Then, Robert Dewitt died for mere want, and all our men were in despair, and said we were past Ireland, and the last fowl were in the steep tub. So they were running out of food, and Robert Dewitt dies. Now, I don't think he was one of the organisers of the mutiny specifically, but he was there and he was one of the main men on the ship. So he's another person who would have been a good witness, a possibly reliable person who could have contradicted Abercook Pritchard's version of events, but he, like Henry Hudson, like Henry Green, wasn't around to tell the tale. So basically we don't really have much choice other than to take Abercook Pritchard's word for it. And that's it, it's a very strange document, a very strange series of documents I should say, as we'll look at in the next episode about the main surprises in Henry Hudson's journeys. The structure itself is rather surprising, starting off with nothing happening much, and then this very dramatic ending, followed by this extra little detail that we don't know whether we can actually believe what's said here or not. So it adds up to a mixed but rather fascinating account. Now I hope you've enjoyed listening to that and perhaps it's inspired you to go back and listen to some of the individual episodes to hear more of the context. As I stated, there's lots of these top 10 episodes to explore now, so feel free to go and have a look and a listen. But thank you for listening to this episode above all. This was Long History, Henry Hudson, Top 10 Events. Goodbye.